This is Kerry Watt. You are tuned into Neptune's Talker, the podcast where I talk all about the creative stories behind my debut album, Neptune's Daughter. And I'm very excited today to have my friend joining all the way from Nashville, Jeff Cohen. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Well, good morning for me. Good afternoon for you. Absolutely. You are just kind of not too far from where my brother lives. I have two Nashville residents on the podcast. Oh, Not today, it, but oh, no, okay. no, I mean, Fraser's in a later episode. I'm like, hey, Fraser, how's it going? No. <laughs> He's hiding somewhere in the background. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. We have so much to talk about. You co-wrote Kissing Fools, which is on the album, but our story goes much further back than that. I think we met 2016. I thought you were going to say 26 years ago. I'm like, I don't know about that. (laughs) We met when I was six. No, I think it was 2016, could even have been 2015, at At C2C C2C Festival. In London. In London, because you had an extra ticket for Royal Albert Hall, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's what it was. I was trying to remember. Yeah, I had a ticket for this, like, it was like an orchestral performance with the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we met at C2C and I was like, man, I really wish I had a ticket for the big show at the O2 tonight, the C2C show. But all I've got is this ticket for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And you're like, I'll have that ticket. And you go to the show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because all the country artists who are playing that show, I've seen um, a lot of times. And I was also going the night before and the night after. And you really yeah. wanted to go to the show? And I'm like, yeah, well, do you go to the show and I'll go see the orchestra at Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you were there and you spend a lot of time in London because you co-write with so many great UK artists and have had such success in recent years with acts like The Shires, Ward Thomas, Catherine McGrath. Um, how, did you, how did you connect with all those artists initially? Well, it's interesting. Um, now, I actually... When I was younger, I went to school in England for when I was 21 for six months and just completely I'd always, you know, always been a fan of the history of England and Scotland and Ireland and Wales. And just once I was over there in the UK, I just caught the bug and just always had a special place in my heart. So I started going when I started working, I would go over there every now and then. And then when I became a songwriter, you know, I I became I had been friends with a, a writer called Jamie Hartman and another writer Sasha Scarbeck, and I would go over maybe once a year, twice a year, and just write. In 2013, they started a festival called C2C, and the first act that was booked to open the big stage was a guy called Christian Bush, who was in Sugarland. I had been working on Christian's solo record and had written most of the record with him. And when he said he was putting a band together to play the show, I'm like, well, I have to come see this. You know, it's going to be great. I mean, at that point, I don't think I'd ever had a song played at the O2. And I'm like, well, I think he's playing six of our songs in the set. I want to be there to celebrate this. Wow. When I was there, they had small stages outside and there were a bunch of upcoming British country acts and I said to myself, there's 
there's a scene bubbling here. And I said, there's something going on. There's some really talented people. So I ended up, um, I had met on that trip, uh, a girl called Claire Paxton Ryder, who's an amazing, amazing radio plugger. And she said, check out this band Ward Thomas. So I saw them and they were super nice and really talented. And they said they were coming to Nashville eventually. And I said, call me when you get to Nashville. And then I also saw a band played called the Shires who I thought were, in my opinion, the outstanding act of, of the outdoors that, that year. So I ended up trying to reach out to them and then met Chrissy just randomly at the next C2C. Yeah. Because you, you come every year still, don't I've, you? Yeah, been every year. And I've ended up playing. I've played three times, you know, at the Bluebird show there. But basically just started coming, you know, three or four times a year to the UK. And just basically was like, if you want to write, cool. And if you want to grab a pint, cool. If you want to do neither or either, cool also. You know, I had plenty of work here. I just really liked the scene of what was going on. And I just thought it could be a nice synergy of what I brought to the table with what they brought. And I also had been very lucky to do a lot of work in, you know, in, in, in the Netherlands and, you know, Norway, Sweden, Denmark. And so I had a little feel for the European market also, which is definitely different than the American market. Right. And you've had tons of success obviously as a songwriter you've had theme tune for pop patrol which by the way is probably my favorite little anecdote about you oh. <laughs> yeah i mean on on that one i always tell everyone i'm i'm a small part of that i mean that's mostly scott Crepin and michael schmitty schmidt but um but i'm happy to be involved yeah and that's a huge show but you also have written songs for shows like one Tree Hill, Desperate Housewife, The Simpsons even, I think. Yeah. Um, but your story with songwriting didn't really begin until your 30s. And before that, you worked at BMI in New York, which is a whole other part of your life, which is so exciting. To yeah, that was about. a 10-year 10 10 year run that it seems so long ago now, but yet it seems like yesterday. It's kind of weird. It's like It's like those memories are so vivid and... Yeah, I started as a secretary to a secretary for what would be about 12,000 pounds a year <laughs> and, and just, just went for it. Went out every single night to go find bands. Remember, there was no internet then. Yeah. So you had to go out every night to see if a band came. Number one, there was no internet. There was also no auto-tune. So basically, you had to go out and see who could really sing and who could play. Like on these, that. you know, on these, these bands. And I got incredibly lucky and, you know, was able to, you know, work early on with Jeff Buckley and the Spin Doctors and Lisa Loeb and, you know, Blues Traveler and great writers like Cara Diaguardi and Jamie Hartman, you know, who yeah. were just coming up back then. Yeah. And many more. I'm, I'm missing a few. It's like every now and then, I'll be reminded like, oh shit, I, oh, oh, sorry. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I did work with, with those guys back then. Yeah. And so that must've been a very, uh, like brave and firm decision to go, you know what? I've had this amazing time here at BMI 
kind of bringing up and um, looking after all these artists but now I I want to go and focus on songwriting which is something I'm super passionate about. Yeah and I probably never would have done it actually if I hadn't gotten sick. I mean I got sick when I was 32 and almost 33 and I had to take some time off from work and when I was in the hospital I remember thinking you know look I've got great friends, got a great family, I love my job. I mean they were tremendous and I still am in close touch with men, you know, many of the people there. But I thought my favorite time of the day was midnight when I'd come home or one in the morning, I'd come home from seeing bands. I'd sit on the couch and make a tea. I'd play guitar, put on the sports highlights and I would start playing acoustic guitar. And I'm like, why is this half an hour, this hour, my favorite part of the day? Yeah. I think I'm getting good at this it would really suck to never show anyone these songs. And it got to the point where, you know, some of my friends knew that I had taught myself a little bit and was, you know, like if I had a crush on a girl or if I was dating someone or if I came home drunk, I'd write a song. I mean, I wrote like five <laughs> songs a year, you know, and probably took me months to finish each of them because I would just play a little bit. But, you know, friends would sometimes at parties say, Jeff, play a song. And I didn't know any cover songs because I'd never played in bands really. So I would just play something I wrote, but not tell people I wrote it unless they asked. And they're like, I don't know that one. Who does that? And I'm like, <laughs> I wrote that two nights ago for my girlfriend. And um, I just said, I didn't want to be 40 or 50 and look back and say, I never tried. Right. And so you moved to Nashville at that point? No, 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 no. I didn't move to Nashville until about 10 years later. Right. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have my first country cut until five years in to being a writer. Not for lack of trying. Um, yeah. It's just that, people that's don't pretty realize, good going. Five yes. years in, yeah. Yeah, people don't really realize how hard it is to get cuts down here. And I mean, I've been coming down like three, four times a year from New York, and nobody wanted to write country with me. They all wanted to do. You know, I'd have major country writers say, "Hey, I'll write with you, but let's write for Dawson's Creek." And I'm like, well, have you ever watched the show? And they're like, no, but man, it's a hit. And I go, okay, <laughs> well, I'll say, um, how much do you think you're going to get money-wise for that Dawson's Creek placement? And they're like, I don't know, man, 15, 20 grand. I go, you're going to get about two grand, maybe three if you're lucky. And then whatever residual payments you're going to get. He's like, well, man, we get a lot more money on country hits. And I go, yes, you do. <laughs> If you yeah. want to write a Dawson's Creek song, I'll gladly write it with you, but I've got to drive the ship because it's absolutely nothing like you do. Right, right. But you did manage to break into the country scene and we talked a bit about Sugarland, Christian Bish from Sugarland, but also the band Perry, who I had actually never heard until I was in Nashville. I think it was 2014 this was before I was even releasing music. Maybe it was even earlier than that, 2013. And they were playing the big 4th of July party down by the river. Yeah, by the river, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, you, you were probably there <laughs> long it before was, we met. Yeah. yeah. And um, love that band. And was so excited when we met. And I didn't, you know, we didn't know much about each other. And then I started hearing from all these people, you know, when I was at C2C that night, oh, you know, Jess written this and Jess written that. And then I think it was maybe later that year, I ended up coming to Nashville 
to do some writing and you like you do with so many artists you're such a great mentor hooked me up with writers and we wrote together and that must be yeah four or five years ago now and we've written some great songs together yeah some i i love a lot of the songs we've written together i know like the wandering kind and uh song of my yeah, there's so there's so many cool ones there's so many that we kind of have in our back pocket ready to kind of whip out at any time. We even fully recorded and produced a few. Uh, one of the recordings we did was my song Sorrow, which I released in my chapter two EP just before Christmas, mm-hmm. which was awesome getting to revisit that that song and that recording that we did. Because I, I didn't know if that would ever, you know, anything would ever happen with that. But with the pandemic last year... I was like, man, the album's been put off, but now we've got, now I've got time to just, just release music and just get it out there. I really, that one was so much fun. And uh, Jeff Goldford's back vocals blending with you on that. I think that's my favorite part of the song. He has, yeah, such a stunning, (laughs) soulful voice. He has got one of my favorite voices ever and that song that you um jeff and i wrote together i think that was in my first trip too i still love he's great i mean he's he's w- watch out for that guy that guy i have all the confidence in the world in him yeah he's good dude and he's now he's now in la right yes he's in la he just got engaged and he's really doing he's doing really well he's gotten a bunch of big commercials and he's for him, it's just, I mean, I, in my opinion, he's already slaying it. He's already doing great, but he will become, uh, he will be known. People will acknowledge how great he is within the next few years. Jeffrey Goldford, don't forget people. Um, so one of the things I love that you brought from Nashville and from your experience over there to the UK scene is songwriter rounds so they're not really really big here um or they weren't and one of the first ones you actually invited me to be a part of and ben from the shires um and nikhil an artist that you're working with at the time we did it at bush hall that was a great show it was i remember thinking you know i wonder there's all these great names on the lineup, but I wonder if anyone knows what a songwriter's round is. Are they are they going to come? And we turned up and the place was packed. packed. And we all sit in the middle of the room for anyone that doesn't know what a writer's round is. I mean, you could probably explain it much better. You must have done near to a thousand of them in your time now. First one I went to was in the early 90s. It was in New York and the Bluebird came to New York for a round. And it was Lyle Lovett, John Hyatt, Guy Clark and Joe Ely, Eli. And it blew my mind. And the first thing I did was started the rounds in New York. So I actually started a thing called the BMI Acoustic Roundup, which was the first songwriters in the round in New York. And then uh, was approached the bitter end. There was a girl named Randy Michaels and the bitter end, they were starting something called the Songwriter Circle. And I said, well, I'm already doing the BMI Acoustic Roundup because they wanted us to move that to the bitter end, but we were in a cool restaurant off the beaten path. So we, as BMI, I said, well, look, we have ours on the first Wednesday of every month. Why don't we do this? Yours is the every other Monday. We'll just sponsor you. And that way we'll be involved in both and we can just funnel you writers. 
And so we sponsored the, BM, the, the Bitter End Songwriter Circle, which has been going on now since the early 90s. And then when Tina Schaefer took over about a year or so later, um, you know, those were the two biggest in the rounds in New York for years. And then back when I started coming to England a lot in like 2013 and really a lot 2014, 15, because I was trying to get Nikhil the deal. You know, I was coming over every four or five months and trying to set up what a lot of people don't realize when you're developing artists and when you're working with artists, a lot of people see the, the time when you got the deal. What they don't see is the year or two before where you're taking the meetings and you're not playing anything for anyone. You're just kind of talking about it. You're just telling people, hey, we're working on this. I'll let you know after. Or you try to find out, okay, who is the right person to work with? Like, so basically it's not just them trying to find, you know, sign you. In my mind, it's me trying to find out who we wanna work with. So I was over there for two, three years learning like Nashville, New York, LA, I knew those people. In, in London, I knew a few of the industry, but I still had a lot to learn. So my attitude was, you know, let's build our house, let's put furniture in there before we invite people in, but you can tell people that we're building the house. Right, love that. And then by the time the house is built, they're asking, when can I come in? Yeah. And then I guess that's where things like songwriters rounds are are great to give little teasers of, okay, here's what the song sounds like acoustically, but you're not giving away the full track. You're not giving away the record. Um, and I love that. But, and they're also so intimate. You actually have the opportunity and you have a crowd who's sitting quietly listening to what you're doing. You can tell the stories behind those songs. Well, and to me, that's, that's the magic. You know, I love going to the Bluebird Cafe, the listening room here in town in Nashville and, I love the stories behind the songs. And, you know, that's why, like, I tried to, um, to create, you know, after the success of the Bush Hall show, I wanted to create a quarterly in the round in London. And um, so I was talking to our mutual friend, Reva Taylor, yeah. and telling her about it. And she was like, well, I've got a great connection at the Roundhouse. Why don't we do it together? And I'm like, fantastic. You know, I mean, Reva, besides being a super talented artist in her own right, is just such a, a personality that everybody who meets her loves her. So I'm like, well, she'd be a perfect host. And she's very well connected in, in England. I thought that would be a nice combination to do that. And we were, we sold out the small room at the Roundhouse for every one of the shows we did. You know, we did one just a month before the pandemic with uh, Jeff Trott, you know, from... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. My hero. Co-wrote all the yeah. Cheryl Crow songs that I just absolutely love. Yeah. And you even managed to kind of keep it going a little bit. You did a little kind of online thing during the pandemic, which is just so great for everyone who can't get to live Yeah, music. we did some online shows and tried to raise money for different venues. Like, we raised some money for the Roundhouse. We tried one for the Bluebird. You know, we tried and then it seemed like the online shows were kind of, sorry, it's still morning here and I'm still waking, <laughs> still waking up. Um, the online shows seemed to not be as popular after a while as the pandemic went on and the weather got nicer and people were outside. So, you know, we might do some more. We're doing um, a contest now for young writers where I think called Strive, which uh, 
you know, Reva, that was, that was really Reva's brainchild. And, um, you know, we're, I'm going to be one of the judges on that, but what we're doing, we're trying to expand what we're doing with the songwriter circle, you know, for the songwriter circle, we actually had an upcoming writer open the show for us every time, like an unknown, one of the students at the roundhouse or, you know, to try to give them some exposure also. I love that. I mean, that's just what it's all about. I think the songwriting community is actually really supportive of each other, particularly, well, I find definitely here in the UK in terms of, um, you know, having each other on each other's shows as support acts or inviting each other to collaborate um, on stage or off stage. And that, I mean, that's how, that's how we all get started. So. Well, it's interesting you say that Carrie, because I think, maybe subconsciously or maybe no I think it was conscious but you're right I mean when I got involved you know I was very lucky that just clicked with the Shires and you know we've had about seven or eight songs on their records and you know including Thousand Hallelujahs and Daddy's Little Girl and a bunch but you know by being over at C2C I was able to meet people like you, the Shires, Ward Thomas, you know, Catherine, um, like like Liv Austin, Laura Oaks, you know, I mean, Jessica Sharman, so many people. And I found that I'm like, well, I just really enjoy working and hanging out with these, you know, the people, these people I'm meeting. It's like, it was such a nice scene and everyone seemed a lot more supportive of each other over there than in some of the other scenes I've been in. And I think, that was a really good reason to uh, to get involved. You know, like 20 also, I worked with 20, she was very nice. And so many, you know, great bands, you know, that I worked up, you know, and then who was it, um, you know, uh, the Two Ways Home, they did that yeah. that nice songwriters circle thing and, you know, gr- you know, right. great people. There's just a really, a lot of nice people. The Adelaides, I met them, they were super nice. And Emma and Jolie, there are a lot of like, I met so many nice people yeah, who were doing it for the right reasons and we're all supporting each other. And I noticed that. It's definitely, it's definitely a really nice scene and I'm proud that we're both a part of it. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I miss, that's one thing about the pandemic. I think two of the things I miss the most are my trips over to, to the UK. Yeah. And going to movie theaters and getting a big popcorn. And I just, I really miss Oh that. man. I miss that too. I yeah. miss that too. Let's talk a little bit about writing the song Kissing Fools, which is on the album, is yes. one of my favorites to play live. And this song is really special because it's one of the only tracks on the album that was written a little bit before and I kind of I kind of had it, you know, and I was waiting for the right moment with it. Um, whereas the majority of the other songs that I wrote as a, a sort of body of work over a two-month period, but Kissing Fools was one of those tracks that had just been waiting for its time and managed to make it into the record. But you and I wrote that song. I have such a great memory of this because it was a very cool day. Um, I just got to LA. We both arrived that afternoon in LA or that morning. And... You took me to the Gibson guitar showroom. Which was my <laughs> basically my office studio when I was in LA. Yeah, in Beverly Hills. I was like, you were like, oh, I've got this place we could write. I'm like, cool, cool. 
<laughs> turn up and it's the Gibson guitar showroom and I remember just walking in there and being like whoa what is this place they had all these amazing guitars obviously but they also had this really cool piano that was like painted or, or maybe it was even vinyl covered in like zebra stripe and the keys were red and it was just like yeah it was like okay this is this is kind of a step up from from what I've been doing back in London in like some like basement little writing room in the dark <laughs> and I'm sure we got a good lunch that day too oh we definitely would have because listeners Jeff Cohen is king of the lunches you know all the spots I think we went to the panini place but I mean even when you come to London and I lived in London for like seven years you are the person who knows all the lunch spots <laughs> I just know like eh, Joe and the juice all the places that I've been going to for years um so we're in this Gibson guitar showroom Beverly Hills we've got a couple of hours this really lovely lady who was the manager there at the time Jenny. is like yeah. Jenny yeah and she's like you guys have the studio for a couple of hours you do what you need to do use the piano use the guitars whatever um and I think it was one of those rights where you know we weren't writing for anything in particular it was just a great day we had a studio and I I just had this feeling that I wanted to write a little bit kind of some nostalgic story about you know the teen movies I used to love and those moments of just being young and free and having fun with someone and I think the song just it just kind of wrote itself one of those I remember we finished it in that couple of hours and then we never revisited it because it just existed in that moment and it sounded great yeah, that was that one came pretty easy. I mean, we were just having fun. I, I I think we weren't overthinking it. I think I think you were really clear about what you wanted, which as a songwriter is awesome. You know, when you know an artist songwriter get you know like to me when you can get a focus on something, the lasers start coming out. You know, and 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 you were really clear about what you wanted on that, and it was just a fun vibe. It just it was a feel good, and I think. Yeah. We were in LA, it was sunny, it was nice. Let's write something yeah. fun. And then I think, were we going to that TV film conference after that or? We were, so the whole week was just like full of like exciting, happy, energetic moments. And that you can definitely hear that in Kissing Fools. Even when I just play it acoustically, it's just, it's just got that feel to it, that groove. But yeah, we were going up to Ventura which was also one of the coolest things I ever did. An amazing opportunity that you brought about for me. The Durango Songwriters Retreat. I can't remember. It was, what yeah, was it was the, it was the uh, TV Film Expo. Expo, Expo, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so you've been there a few years. Yeah, they had me on the uh, first one ever. They had me um, do a speech. And then the second year, I, went, I brought Christian Bush. And we did like for one of the lunches, they had a question and answer with me and Christian and we, we played songs and answered questions and just basically talked about our, you know, histories in the music industry. And I've been pretty much almost every year. I think I had to skip one or two. Um, once I had to skip because with Nikhil, they had a big showcase for Warner in, um, in London. So I, I chose to do that instead, but like I brought Nikhil one year, I brought, um, you know, Scott Crepain, who ended up doing the Paw Patrol theme, you know, he came and yeah, brought a bunch of different people. I, that's, that, that's one of the places I met our friend Glenn Phillips, who we wrote Wandering Kind with. 
Oh, he's awesome from Toad the Wet Sprocket, Sprocket yeah. right? That what a cool band name. That's from Monty Python or something, I think. I think it yeah. is actually, yeah. yes. <laughs> but yeah, that Durango Expo is just an awesome networking event that we, I mean, you've had loads of cuts out of that and I still have all the contacts that I met. That yeah, time you blew everyone away. Everyone was asking me about you. They're like, who's this girl from Scotland that, <laughs> that, that, you, that you told to come? I was like, check her out. I got to go back there next time. I mean, I don't know. Well, we can't go anywhere right now, but hopefully 2022. That's what I think. I think realistically, I know they're talking about wanting to do it again in May of 2021. I don't see that happening. Um, but 2022, I think is very realistic and uh, I'll join you there and we'll uh, have our tacos at that place on the beach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was just a cool place like to be you know, so close to LA, but in this little beach town that just had its own little vibe. And I remember there was like a thrift shop and record stores and yeah, very cool place. So hopefully very, very we get cool. to go back. Yeah, I also remember, Kara, I remember riding with you talking about beach towns. I'll never forget the day we rode in Brighton when you were yes. in Brighton. And I remember you took me to that sweet shop. <laughs> we filled up a whole bag of sweets. Caramella. Oh my God. Oh that my was God. my major downfall. <laughs> and that pizza place was amazing. Yep. VI pizza. VIP <sighs> pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we've had some really fun writing times in, yeah, all different places. But we need to get you to Scotland. That's the plan. When travel's back on and we're all vaccinated and we're feeling good, you, I would love Scotland. to. I, it's, been, it's been too long since I've been to, you know, I mean, I've been to Edinburgh and Glasgow and, and Oban and, you know, mall and a bunch of places but it's been it's been a few years because I mean most of the times in the last few years when I was in London you know for years I was very focused on the Nikhil project and basically that would take weeks when I was there and then I had to get back to Nashville and I didn't really get to you know when where I used to work in London I would then try to combine it and like go to Sweden or Norway or Berlin and do other work it became so London focused for me for a few years in a row that now I finally have time and now freaking COVID happens. Like I had, you know, I had talked to, to our friends, Ricky and Gregor about coming up to Scotland and will, and uh, I would, I would love to, I mean, the first, the next time I'm in London, even if it's just for a few days, I'd love to come up. Okay. That's the plan gonna happen next time oh yeah and no, i love scotland i've had amazing <laughs> times there well jeff thank you so much for being on my podcast you are going to be my second you're my second guest oh, so nice. thank well thanks so thanks much. for having me i'm and thanks for i'm honored to be on your album in any in any form so to have a co-written song with you is 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 i mean these are the kind of things that these are the kind of reasons why i do what i do and I mean, to me, I love to write. I love, you know, I write a lot by myself, but I love writing with, you know, artists. And then it's even a bonus when the artists are my friends. Yeah. And then you get to hear it. That's what, you know, taking the journey and seeing songs released with your friends. That's, that's what keeps driving me to keep doing this. Awesome. Well, many more years of collaborating ahead of us, I think we have in Scotland, in Nashville, maybe in LA again. Yeah, count me in. I'm, I'm, I'm in for any of those places. 
All right, thanks, Jeff. Great to see you. You got it. Great to see you again. Congratulations on the release. Thank you.